the Lord led her and taught her and kept her as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle spreading its wings, he took her up and bore her on his shoulders. The Lord alone was her guide. It is with no small joy and indeed with considerable affection that the church marks today the memorial of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, more popularly known as the Little Flower. O God, who open your kingdom to those who are humble and to little ones, lead us to follow trustingly in the little way of St. Therese, so that through her intercession we may see your eternal glory revealed. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child over, placed it in their midst and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. We noted at the beginning of Mass, just not just the joyfulness, but with the singular degree of affection with which the church marks this day. One is hard pressed, other than Our Lady herself, to name among all of the saints one who is so universally loved. It is a rare thing to find a church anywhere that doesn't have an image of Therese. It is a rare thing among a group of the faithful to find a complete lack of fondness for her and devotion to her. This young woman, she was only 24 when she passed away, remains in some beautifully mysterious way eternally young in the consciousness of the church. And she has long been seen as the living crystallization of what we heard Jesus say in the gospel, in fact, of the point that all of our readings were lingering on, that a certain humble and indeed childlike confidence in and dependence of the Lord is a singularly great marker and indication of genuine and deep holiness. She lived very few years, and there is no question that she attained a degree of holiness, which is absolutely remarkable, even for one whom the church has recognized by canonizing as a saint and raising to our altars. And in no small measure, there's a singular note of joy here at the shrine, because just as we were coming out of the pandemic, the first project that we worked on was installing the statue of St. Therese and the memorial board at the entrance of the church. 
that was that happened within just a couple months after our first mass and so it was two years ago on this very date her feast day we were able to celebrate in the midst of still the lockdown standing outside after mass and blessing the statue and the memorial board and in a sense it was the first activity that we had here that went beyond the ordinary and so many of the graces that people have experienced here and so much of the forward movement that we've had here at the shrine since then i am i am completely convinced is the fruit of her prayer on our behalf and on behalf of this holy place. St. Therese, as we know, is often referred to as the little flower, but what does that mean? An interesting expression, we quote it all the time, the little flower. But what exactly are we talking about? And what was she talking about when she described herself as the little flower? Because that's not a name that we gave her, it's a name she gave herself. Or better, it is a name that she discovered in the grace of prayer. And Therese understood that in no small measure, her life was literally planted within the love of Our Lady. And she took that image of being planted very seriously. That I have been planted in the garden of Our Lady. What a marvelous, marvelous expression that is, to be planted in the garden of Our Lady. And when one is planted, what does one need to do? One needs to grow. And one needs to bloom. And she understood then that she could call upon Our Lady for the grace, that holy sunlight of grace, that the flower of her life needed to burst into full bloom and glorious color. And she understood herself not as a mighty tree. She understood herself not as a spectacular bush. She understood herself as the small flower. In fact, the smallest, the little flower. Fragile, vulnerable, and yet capable of growth, and capable of beauty, however small. And it is this image of wanting to grow toward the sunlight of grace that her life might bloom, might come to a full flower, that characterized her relationship with Our Lady and with our Lord. What a marvelous image that is for those of us who gather in the holy place, albeit indoors because of the rain today. But what is the shrine in no small measure but a 70-acre garden? Where likewise we long for our hearts to open up and burst into bloom in the sunlight of the grace of heaven, of the grace of the Lord. What a remarkable image. And note how then her image of spiritual growth as well, it's not passive, but it's responsive. Because the flower grows upward toward the light. But for the flower to grow, it needs to receive 
it must be rained on, and the light must shine on it, and it must be protected. And so she relied on Our Lady for that protection. She relied on her devotion to Mary to water the soil of her life. And she relied on Our Lady to open her, to obtain for her that full sunlight of the grace of Jesus Christ, within which she could live and grow and not simply be fruitful, but be beautifully so. That's the other image of the flower. A flower is a thing of beauty. And a flower is pleasing to the eye. And so note what she is also saying in this description of herself as the little flower, this longing to be the small but beautiful one in the eye of God, this longing to be that flower from the garden that is truly pleasing to the gardener, that would provoke a smile from the gardener as he gazes upon it. And again, what a remarkably beautiful image of a certain element of the spiritual life. How often, my friends, do we even pay attention to the idea of being pleasing to God? of cultivating a certain beauty of character, a certain beauty of life, not that we admire ourselves, but because that is pleasing to the Lord. Now, there is a shape of my heart, a color to my life, which would be pleasing to his eye. And how wonderful it would be to grow toward that, to grow into that. Such simple ideas, such simple ideas, these things, and yet so profound and so beautiful as the best of things are. This is the spirit of the one that we celebrate today. And as we recognize that, we begin to see that hidden within this deceptive simplicity of Therese, is something truly profound and truly mighty. And so it is that with a child's simplicity, she described her life this way. You know, we make it so complicated, don't we? I need to discern the will of God, and I, I bear down, and I'm doing my novenas, and I'm consulting the scriptures, I'm going to spiritual direct, and I'm doing all of this stuff. And then there's Therese who says, I know what my vocation is. It's to be love in the heart of the church. So simple, so direct, but it never would have occurred to any of us to say that. How amazingly simple with a childlike eye gazing at the church and knowing the body must have a heart, but also looking at the world and seeing that there are all too many hearts that aren't filled with love, but are filled with many other things. You know, there's, you know, the body of Christ too is afflicted by those whose vocation is to be ambition in the heart of the church. And others, 
who say, my vocation is to be resentment in the heart of the church. And here is this young lady saying, but the heart's the place for love. And someone's got to do that. Because my vocation is to sit in the heart of the church and be loved. What an absolutely wonderful statement. And note how that summarizes the essence of contemplative religious life. This young woman who won't go out to be a missionary, this young woman who's not going to go and bring food to the poor directly because she's in the cloister where she prays. But she understands that there's something about the enclosure which is like being enclosed in a giant heart. And if I'm in the heart, then I can only be one thing, love. Such a simple statement, and yet how hidden from so many of us. How mysterious, how wondrous. And she lived this so well that the love from her little cloister reached out while she was yet alive to the most distant corners of the globe because she corresponded with missionaries. And she, who never left her cloister, is declared by the church the patroness of the missions. The patron of missionaries. How absolutely remarkable. She never traveled very far from her native village. And yet she is the great patron of those who leave home behind for the sake of bringing the gospel elsewhere. And why? Because love always extends itself. Love always reaches out. Love that is in the heart is only real and powerful when it learns how to reach out from that heart into the world. And so again, we see the essence of her vocation. It's not for me to be warm and cuddly feelings in the heart of the church. It's not for me to be wishful thinking and daydreaming about love in the heart of the church. It's to be love as a fountain of energy, love as a source of movement, love as a source of animation of the body. So that as the arm of the church reaches out, it reaches out with love and from love. How absolutely wondrous that is. My vocation is to be love in the heart of the church. And our answer to that question of what your vocation is seems so small and so complicated now, doesn't it? Such an amazing direct simplicity. And this simplicity likewise underlies what we refer to famously as her little way, her spiritual way, this doctrine of the little way. And this is often badly expressed and badly simplified as doing small things well for God. It's more than that. It's more than that, and yet it's less complicated than that. We're the ones who make things so complicated. 
And again, we're going to see in Therese this essence of childlike faith, which in its own way is marvelously uncomplicated. It's this, to do small things with great love. Note the difference. Not just to do small things and not just to do them well. That's not the issue. That's not the point. The point is to bring great love into the smallest of things. And again, what a marvelous, marvelous image that is. Because frankly, who is the Virgin Mary? She is that one who in the tiny space of her life and her body cloistered the immensity of the Lord who is greater than the universe. Great love in small things. And consider Jesus in the incarnation. The smallest gesture of the Lord. Imagine that. When he stretches out his hand to touch the face of a leper. On the one hand, it's a small gesture, and yet the infinity of the love of God is in that touch. Small things with great love. Because the little flower doesn't aspire to big things. We do that because we make it so complicated. Growth in holiness is a matter of dramatic and heroic deeds. And she says, no. Growth in holiness is a dramatically great love that can express itself in small ways. And note how beautiful that is because it becomes a way that everyone can walk. It's not so demanding that no one can even think about attempting but it is so profound that everyone can profit from it. And no one is so wise or so holy as to be beyond it. To do small things with great love. And she lived this with an incredible degree of focus and intensity content that if she sought to bring love into small things, the Lord would take care of the growth of grace in her heart and in her life. And note how uncomplicated that is. We keep waiting for the magic formula of prayer to say. We keep waiting for that new devotion that somebody's going to put in our hands and that's going to be the key to winning the grace of God. And what does she say? That's all nice. But first things first. Love, even great love, in small things gets the job done. And note how beautiful that is because it puts the person into acting quite literally in the spirit of Christ and the image of Christ, who in the small limits of a human form is the mighty word incarnate. Note how what that does is it forces the heart to truly learn from and unite with 
the love of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ. Note how more effectively than any prayer you or I could ever say, that disposition conforms the soul and the heart and life to the Lord. This is why the great saints, in particular the great Carmelite saints, when they talk about spiritual growth, are not really concerned when they speak to people beginning in their spiritual life of recommending prayers. It's not that they don't pray. Rather, what they recommend is trying to do the will of God and know the will of God. Because if I'm doing that, I will be turning away from sin. If I'm doing that, I will begin to grow in virtue. And Therese's wonderfully unique contribution to this mystical tradition of the Carmelites is this emphasis on the love. Don't just seek to know and do the will of God, but love according to the love of God. And look for opportunities to do that. And note how that looking is intrinsically prayerful. It requires a certain consciousness of the Lord. It requires a certain attentiveness to his presence. It's so simple, but not easy, but not easy. And Therese herself had to live this in the midst of a series of debilitating and painful illnesses, where in her suffering there needed to be love. And she herself was living in the convent with women that she didn't like. And it's not because they were bad, it's, that's human. We don't like everybody, <laughs> and that's the truth. Even good people don't always like each other. And yet she lived and loved in such a way that they never knew it. And for Therese, the issue was not pretending. We do that. We have that fake Christian smile, oh, it's really good to see you, and we all know we're pretending. <laughs> but no one wants to admit it. <laughs> Therese understood that the person that I have difficulty with, the person I don't like, is the one I have to love more. And so she understood those encounters as invitations to greater love. And the ones that she had a hard time being around, she made it a point to love them with more effort she didn't make it a point to pretend to love them. That's not easy. For us, typically, the person I don't like doesn't get extra love. They get extra negative feelings from me. Um, and so note, note, how, note how this works. It's simple on the one hand, but note how much it calls out of a person. Note how much it opens a person to become like Christ. And this is why, in the throes of her illness, as she knew her days were coming to a close, she could say, again, with that disarming, direct simplicity, you know, answering that question that we always ask, from our childhood. What happens in heaven? What do they do up there? 
And she answers that question. She says, I'm going to spend my heaven doing good on earth. That's what I'm going to do. Again, so simple, so marvelous, and yet how many of us would even think to say that? I will spend my heaven doing good on earth because my vocation will still be to be love in the heart of the church. And so it is then that the little flower says, I will shower blessings like roses on those who turn to me in their need. What a remarkable and beautiful image that is. And how good it is that we can reflect on this here. Because when Mass concludes today, after we've received the Lord in Holy Communion, he's going to be enthroned on our altar. And the monstrance is in the form of its son. And note how that reminds us of what Therese says. The flower must grow toward the light. The flower must be warmed by the light and grow into the light. And that is exactly the grace we seek today. But by all means, unite yourself in prayer with Therese today. On her feast day, she prays with, one would think, a certain sharp degree of joy. On her feast day, she is particularly delighted to repay the esteem that we turn to her with the ardor of her intercession. This indeed, my friends, while it may be raining outside, is very much a day of the sunlight of grace and the showering of roses. Amen. <laughs>